0: Welcome to The Rock Show. My name is Rob Rossi. I am here with Rocker Mike and Fail. And we're talking about Lou, Gre- Lou Reed's and the Velvet Underground. Um, and it's Sunday. Happy uh, Easter. And what day is it? Uh, April 21st. Right. Um, I want to start this, guys? Okay.
1: Uh, gotta give you a little background on Lou. You know, uh, you want me to go over your your notes? Mine's notes, um,
0: whatever. Yeah, no, it's all your notes. I just use mine's for. Um, okay. you know. Okay.
2: Lou Reed was born in Brooklyn. Yep. He was born in Brooklyn. Uh, grew up Long Island.
1: Yep. 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 In um, Freeport. Yeah, he moved out. To, he was born in Brooklyn. Moved out to Freeport when he was a kid. Um, he was kind of like a shy kid. Didn't talk much to people. Uh, his family. Uh, we're kind of well-to-do, not rich, but like you know, middle class. His parents, his father was a tax accountant. Yeah. You know, he had a business, his own business and yeah. everything. They moved him out to Freeport. You know, that was moving to the suburbs was a big thing in the fifties. That's what people did.
2: They were well off. Yeah, that's when that's when uh, Long Island was like you know they were building up Long Island to yeah
1: there. You know, exactly leaving the boroughs. People to go were leaving out. the boroughs to go out there and and have a better life.
0: Um, oh, do you mean White Flight?
1: Wh- exactly, White Flight, okay, <laughs> okay, um, so he, he was a kind of introverted kid, uh, but he loved music, and uh, what he loved the most at that time was probably doo
2: He was a big uh, Dion fan, loved
1: Dion, Dion and the Belmonts, right, um, so but song. he was also uh, into some obscure doo I mean, right. I, I remember reading how he had like a huge doo-wop collection. One of the biggest, you know, well, 45s and all that stuff. Here's one thing a
2: lot of people don't know about Lou about Reed. He actually inducted Dion into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
1: I do remember that. I do remember seeing that. Yeah, they were good friends, actually. They ended yeah, they up being were. friends, and Dion's on the uh, New York album. And
2: Dion has been 50 years sober. Yes. Starting yesterday. God
1: bless him. Yeah, I, did, I saw that announcement. God bless him. Um. So anyway, he was a, a kid... And uh, he loved doo-wop, and when he was in high school at Freeport High School, he joined a doo-wop band called the Jades. Now, his parents unfortunately weren't very supportive with his musical endeavors, and uh, they didn't support him with that, which he always found to be, you know, problem. Um, he would suffer sometimes from depression, and uh, finally, it culminated into uh, when he was late in high school, his his his. Uh, Parents brought him in for electroshock treatment. Okay.
2: That and, for, and for his uh, sexual.
1: Right. Well, that was that was the belief that they would they were trying to uh, they were concerned that he had homosexual tendencies, and in those days, electroshock was something they used yeah. to try to reverse that. But he also suffered from depression, and that was another reason they used that as well. Now, when you get electroshock treatment, that's probably one of the most horrible it's things probably, you can get. It's probably
2: the worst thing you could fucking. Uh, yeah. Fucking and,
1: and and Lou always said that. You know, his whole life he had like no short-term memory because of that. You know, you tell him something, and five minutes later, you'd have to ask you what you said. You know? This is this
2: is pre Johnny Rotten. when Johnny Rotten um, got meningitis, but well, this is different. No, you know, no, no was, this, was is, this is two,
1: this, this is twenty years earlier. He that. was forced yeah. to
2: have his brain shocked, and hot. right? But like his like his dad said, "I'm shocking the fairy out of my son," which is what uh, Lou Reed. His, his father,
1: he had a lousy relationship with his dad, unfortunately, and this would all you know we're all a product of our childhood sometimes and and all the time actually and and basically this would come around into his lyrics you know uh some stuff like that um that song families mm-hmm. on on the bells album and uh also um uh what's that one song on uh, growing up in public where he's talking about his father that one I don't uh forget the name i think it's called my son or my Father, or something like that i forget but he's you know what I'm talking about, Rob? Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: it's funny that um, you say the duet because yeah. there was a lot of like, what he sang it was pretty much like duet. Well, what yeah, that was, a, he had that was a song. He had he had a
1: duet song, some, and it was all influenced but from even, that.
0: Even um, you just played "Welcome to the Wild Side." Do, walk do, walk do, on the wild side. Yeah, That's pretty I mean, much a duet exactly, song. Exactly. Exactly. You it's, know, it's nothing more, just a little yeah. bit more. Um, rocker style you know yeah
1: i mean you know he he just had all these influences and they'd be all mixed up and he he would make that kind of music but um so then after all that he ended up going to syracuse university in 1960 he was studying journalism creative writing film directing uh he actually was uh uh, host on a radio, yeah, he hosted a radio show at Syracuse, and uh, which so featured like doo wop and uh, free yeah. jazz and stuff. He was very big into uh, Ornette Coleman.
2: He was actually really also inspired by the Beats. Oh yeah, he was really absolutely into, into Kerouac, uh, Burroughs, yes. uh, Gregory Corso, and um, he, right. He was really into that. Uh, Allen Ginsberg. Like he was really into. And Hubert
1: Hubert Huber, Huber Selby was somebody he was really into too. Like the, the guy that wrote Last Exit to Brooklyn. In fact, I yeah. think
2: when he was in Syracuse, he didn't even, he. I don't know if he wrote a song called The Ostrich, but he invented a guitar kind of style that, that was That was That
1: was shortly after. When he was in Syracuse, he met the poet Delmore Schwartz, and uh, Schwartz became like his mentor, okay, and a lot of the lyrical style was stuff that, that uh, the way he would, structure the lyrics was something in the style of Delmo Schwartz.
0: He had such such a unique voice. You could talk from a mouth. Yeah. Like if he's yeah. with a groove, yeah. he can yeah. say, Oh, that's that's unique. Really
1: yeah, and you know, I've I've met people that couldn't stand his voice and didn't like his music because of that. And the way his delivery was, they said, Oh, he just talks his songs. No, that's
2: that's the way I, he does it. I
0: feel like that like uh, Bob did it. I'm sorry. He's great, but to me he's like Talking like you know. Well, so, I, well, there's the
2: difference between Bob Dylan and Lou Reed. I feel yeah. like Lou Reed. Was, Lou more Reed was a poet. Lou Reed was somebody. Yeah, he was a poet, definitely. Because yeah. that's he what he was, was inspired boy, by. But yeah. Lou Reed was more of a of a, of an inner city. Well, he kind talked of about, artist, about you know. urban.
1: He talked about urban living, and and, and, a, and a, the lyrics were way grittier than Dylan ever wrote. Exactly. And, and Dylan, I I prefer Reed over Dylan any oh, day of so the week. Any day of the week.
2: I I respect Bob Dylan as an artist, but I don't like him as for me personally i feel that like he was way into woody country and all that Where lou reed was like you know what that junkie on the corner there i'm gonna write a song it was about it was then.
1: things that it was things that he was seeing witnessing it was uh, new york city it was straight new york up. city straight up and that's 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 why he was so great um uh, okay it was in syracuse that he met with um sterling morrison and who ended up being in the bell and underground yeah. And, the and right, and a guy named Jim Tucker, who was the older brother to to Mo Tucker, right. who was the drummer. That's where he first made and these I love, connections. I love Maureen too. Yeah, Maureen's great. She's fantastic. I'm actually friends with her on Facebook, believe it or not. I, yeah.
2: you know what? It's, it's I'm, I'm I don't want to, to change the subject, but <laughs> I, I feel that Maureen Tucker. Is is kind of like the, the obscure is, member of the Velvet right? Underground. The
1: most obscure.
2: Because um, you know she was in the first. She was in all the albums. I don't know if she was in, on Loaded. Because I know that Doug she's Duel's, on.
1: She's on Loaded, but she's not on the live. She's Max's, not on the live ones because yeah. they did Max's. She was having a baby. Yeah, yeah. and
2: uh, they were actually the house band. Yeah, for Max. For Max. Anyways, that's uh, right. Back uh, what you're saying. Well, 1964, he
1: graduated uh, from Syracuse, and he moved to the city. And he hooked up with a, a company, record company called Pickwick Records. They were kind of like a small label that put out novelty records, things like that. And he was a house writer for them. And he wrote a song, and you, you mentioned it, called The Ostrich. Right. All right. Now, what's unique about that song, it's obviously a novelty record. It had to do with, like, a dance, you know, like right, the right, twist, right. do the ostrich, like that kind of thing. But uh, what's interesting about that song, when you listen to it, is is all of... Lose guitar strings are, to, are tuned to the same note, right. and it created like a, almost like a droning kind of sound. Now, John Cale was, he met him at Pickwick. John Cale was a, another songwriter right. for the label.
2: And he was also in a, in a group called the, the, the Primitives. That, and I yeah. think they were called, another experimental group called the Dream Syndicate.
1: Not the, the not
2: the other Dream Syndicate, right? No, like a, the Rig, This I, is back then. I yeah. think that he he was a member of that, and uh, possibly. But he 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 heard the ostrich and he he liked what the Lou was doing, and uh, the two met. Uh, I think you actually have a little bit more experience with that. Yeah. Which would eventually become the Velvet Underground.
1: Well, right. When when Reed and Kale met, they hit it off right away. Okay, they were interested in. You know, things like doo-wop and jazz, but then they were also interested in, like, experimental yeah, avant-garde kind exactly. of yeah. stuff. Which was John Cage. John line. And John Cage. John Cage was somebody that was uh, they were interested in. Um, they ended up being roommates, and they moved down to the Lower East Side together. Lumbo Street, actually. I believe it was, yes. Lumbo Street. Right. Um, and that was, you know, they were they were coming together to to, to form the Velvet Underground. I think at one point, you had John kale who was playing viola and a couple other instruments at the time. Sterling Sterling Morrison was back on the scene. He was playing bass. Um, You had, you know, Lou singing, playing guitar. And then you had a guy named Angus MacLeese on drums. Now, once they were rehearsing, getting ready to go out there and play, they got a gig in New Jersey. I think it was in a high school or something like that. And uh, keep in mind, this was the 60s, okay? So Angus MacLeese, when he finds out that, oh, you mean we're gonna play a gig and get paid for it I don't want any part of it okay I don't want to be paid for my art so he leaves the band now that's a major plus the fuck that's, very, that's actually very beat of him, oh absolutely it. Cause, absolutely because the
2: beats were the same way because it was you know yeah, like, they didn't
1: want to get paid for art you know their like aunt. New
2: York City like here's the thing about rock and roll in, in, in these days you know you had you know the, the west coast invasion of, of, of peace and love and then New York you know, like was, it was developing something. You had like you know, um, birds. I'm sorry. Well, the birds were birds. part of those. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, and all that stuff that was going on in the West Coast. Everybody's there. To Jefferson be, Airplane. Jefferson Airplane. Yeah. They were all there to be happy. Whereas in New York City, there really wasn't a band that could, you know. Relate with that, and that's where the Velvet Underground. Not, yeah,
1: there were some smaller bands, but the Velvet Underground were the antithesis of that. Yeah, and I think that was an intentional thing. Uh, they they were dark. Um, they actually named themselves
2: after a book written by Michael novel. Lee, yeah, and, uh, about about Yeah, it was about S and M
1: yeah. and sexual underground. A book that came out in, in
2: fact, 1963. What's interesting about that, Mike. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. What, what's that. interesting about that? That I used to. So back when I was a teenager, when I would go to concerts, I used to always wear a Velvet Underground shirt, and it was the font of the novel.
1: Yes, it was exactly the same letter. That,
2: lettering. that, that yes. came out. So. Yes. I, you ever read it? I never read I read uh, Venus and Furs, but I never actually read... I know the story it, 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 about it the, runs, the it runs Velvet almost, Underground novel.
1: It runs almost like a documentary. Cause Cause it's, it's, not about,
2: it's about a suburban family. Right?
1: Yeah, but, but it's also like of that year. Like what was going on in the sexual underground in that year.
2: And the cover's beautiful. Year, oh, yeah, and with the, the boot. And stiletto. Yeah, the
1: big black and, and boot. And the whip, yeah.
2: you know. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, so, Anyways, and, if, yeah. if I said the birds, I'm really sorry. I don't know if that was...
1: No, no, no. I mean, Roger. Right, well, there like, was an English Birds, but, but you're talking fu- about the Birds, B-Y-R-B-S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah thinking, that's you know, that's like, Roger McGuinn the from stuff, California. The hippie yeah. shit. The as hippie Bo shit. Tucker
2: would say. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, like you have to, you know, you have to understand rock and roll at that time was very blues influenced, and um, you know things were happening in a happy way. You know, you also had the band called the Doors, who were inspired by the Velvet Underground. They were. But um, you know, between the West Coast and the East Coast, I mean, I can't really think of an East Coast rock and roll band that really kind of did a change. But the Velvet Underground definitely fucking did. Well,
1: you know, by the time they made their way out to California, they played. Uh, I think it was maybe by the second album, they they made their way out no, there. it was their first album. It was it was the a first classic album? Classic
2: and edible. It was yeah. A, it was well, the, right,
1: right. With the Andy Warhol. Andy I'm going to get Warhol. into that in a second because. Uh, they, they, they were writing songs. You know, Mo Tucker actually replaced uh, Angus, okay? Which so, is a great choice. Totally. Yeah. I mean, she was a fantastic drummer, the way she played standing up and all that. Yeah. yeah. And um, they were writing songs about, you know, heroin. Heroine? They were writing songs about yeah. prostitution. They were writing songs about, you know, the gritty urban life that they were surrounded by and nobody was doing that nobody was doing that and the way that they their sound was a droning kind of sound in their guitars nobody sounded like that they were definitely dark and they were different um, by the time you know Andy Warhol picked up on them because they were they were playing
2: at the uh, cafe bizarre. bizarre right the cafe bizarre, Café bizarre. Uh, this yeah. is one of my favorite stories about the Velvet Underground Okay. One of I don't know if I don't know if it was Jerome Malanga. Somebody convinced Andy Warhol to go to the cafe to check him out, and they were playing the Black Angels' death song. Yes, I think and I there heard this story. A, a, I think it was a Navy man who said, "If you play that song one more time, we're going to kill you." Yeah. And they played it again.
1: But you got to understand what the Cafe <laughs> Bizarre was. The Cafe Bizarre was like a tourist trap. It was a little bar that was catered to tourists in the village, or in the West Village. It wasn't like a, a place that was for underground bands, or, right, you know, exactly. th- they didn't have places like that back then. This was a little place that just kind of catered to tourists that showed like a little bit of the weirdness of the village, right, right. you know. And uh, they were playing there; they were almost like a house band there for a little while. Right, right, and but they were never well, well received. Right. And but but Amy Warrell
2: saw that, and, and he loved it, and, and he was like, and he no, loved man, it. this is something I, I can I can yeah. I can have." Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. he he envisioned them in his. Exploding Plastic and Inevitable whole, uh, show, and which this was
2: also like when the the, the 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 superstars were becoming a thing. Yes, you had, you had uh, what would become lyrics to him, Candy Darling, Hollywood, right. Long, Jackie right. Curtis, Jackie Curtis. Yeah, you had uh, Ultraviolets, Gerald uh, mm-hmm. Malanga. So like they they were actually very perfect. And for they her. they
1: were all performance artists, right? Okay, so this Exploding Plastic Inevitable was something that Andy used to do. Mostly at the Dom over on St. Mark's, with 15 St. Mark's Place, which is what, like two sushi bars and yeah. something else right now. Yeah. Okay, it, you know, it used to be the Dom, and uh, it, the the show was like, you know, they Mary Warrenoff, okay, and and, and Malango would do the whip dance. Yeah, they're dancing. Okay. And Edie, would, would Edie Sedgwick would dance. Edie Sedgwick would dance, and they would have like psychedelic lighting, and you know over them, and they would, they would put like it films in the background, Warhol films in the background. It was, more, it was, it was definitely
2: a Warhol art exhibit, if you think about right. it. Right, in it motion. Was with music. In motion, know, like with that, music. That's definitely what it was. And, and there's a, a, an interesting interview with Andy Warhol that, that I love, because Warhol was, for me, one of the greatest interviewers, because yes. he, he just did not take shit.
0: Well, yeah, he, he would was, ask tough questions. Was, everything
2: was yes, no, yes, no. Right. Are you going to make music? Um. Yes. Are yeah. you going to do art. Um. No, but like yeah. I love how he's like I discovered a band called the Velvet Underground, and 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 he just really was like you know this is a band that I can have, that can be, my kind of like my work of art. But at the same time, he encouraged them, mm-hmm. and Lou Reed was heavily influenced by, by uh, not only Andy Warhol himself, but by the by the superstars. I, I saw an interview yeah. with um, a personal interview with Holly Woodlawn when I met her back, and. Uh, 2004. She passed away, right? She passed away yeah. unfortunately uh, three years ago. Yeah. Well, no longer I think than that. I might think. be a few longer than that. Yeah. I think I think I think yeah no three years ago because uh, okay. Lee Black Childers died.
1: Right around five the same years time. Ago,
2: and I and I met him and he was friends with with all those guys. He was right. one of the superstars. But anyways, well for me he was a superstar. But no, he was part. Of it. I met I met Hollywoodline and she told me that Lou Reed was this like shy little boy. Who always had a journal on him, yeah. He did, and he, he wrote walked around with a notebook about yeah. what was going on in, at the factory, yes, and stuff like that. And so, the Velvet Underground, you know, Cafe Bazaar, you know, Lou, uh, Andy Warhol meets them all of a sudden. You know, they're getting a record, they are gonna make a record. Well, based
1: on based on Andy Wall's fame and notoriety, they were able to get a record label with Verve. Records, small label, put out by MGM. In
2: fact, do you know the do you know the history of the, of the making of that of the first album? A little bit, yeah. So the engineer guy, so they were re, they were making the album. The engineer guy took t- off his headphones no, and no. said he quit because he, he said that you know what that that wasn't that album. That
1: was the second album.
2: They, Lou Reed that said was, it was the first. No, album. No, no, no.
1: That was I was going to talk about that. That's the White Light, White Heat album that happened. From from what when, I when he understand, he put when he put everything in the red. And and he couldn't he couldn't he says I can't produce you guys you pu- you are playing in the red well this is what the, you know?
2: well well Mike well, might be right about this I I seriously think it was the first album right? could, I could be wrong but the guy got up and said they don't pay me enough to do this to do this shit yeah and so they had their own kind of like well we're gonna do it yeah like that. yeah
1: well we also got to talk about Nico. Because yeah, you know, was and, a
2: product of Andy Warhol. You know,
1: Andy. Andy. Well, she was a, a supermodel. She's probably one of the first supermodels, and, and she, she was had, an actress. She, actually she was. Yes, have an album too. Yes, she, well, she a couple had, of singles. A couple yeah, of singles. She, had, uh, she, had, she did that. Uh, oh, it's like a folk song. Uh, uh, Gordon Lightfoot wrote it, I think. Um, she had the single was in England and stuff, but Andy Warhol convinced the band, and I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how they, they they were kind of lukewarm to the idea but then they grew into it right. to have her as like a chanteuse and she would sing like two or three songs and you know they basically she did i Femme Fatale, Femme Fatale, Femme Fatale, all, uh,
2: all tomorrow's party and, and honestly i think um i think her being in the band for the first album was was for warhol was a great idea for Lou Reed it was a good idea yeah. and John Cale and you know Lou Reed obviously had a romantic
1: he was involved with, with her briefly head. yeah
2: but um, at, when she le- when she left the Vope Underground I mean John Cale you know produced her first second album
1: well John Cale didn't want her to leave uh, when they were ready to do the second album White Light White Heat uh, he wanted Nico on board but she was not into it and there was a bit of a problem i think i think there was a bit of a love triangle it was, it was, going was, on there cause, too cuz she
2: was sleeping with Lou Reed and i think she was sleeping with with Kale, John Kale. I, I think and that, she was also sleeping with
1: well she was with Jackson Brown she was with like with all Hulk these other Bob dudes Dylan, you know like i mean
2: she was she was you know <laughs> she got around she got yeah, around yeah. you know in those days and eventually Iggy Pop Yep. Yeah, Iggy also. Even
0: though she's not down with the oh, underground speaking and speaking around. speaking
1: of right. Iggy Pop, shout out to Iggy Pop today on his seventy second
2: birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Iggy happy Pop! Happy birthday, Mr. Stooge, James Osterberg James Osterberg, Osterberg
1: yeah. yep. And uh, without him, there'd Boogie be nothing Lids. today.
0: Boogie Liz. Oh, and a
1: shout out to Boogie also. To Boogie, yes, we Boogie, love you, man. Yeah. We love you, man.
0: So how long was uh, how many albums? And how long were the Velvet Underground together? The
2: Velvet Underground were, they had four recorded albums, if, if, unless you count the live. Studio one. albums. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Um, they were um, they were the house band at, at Max's Kansas City. Yes. Kentucky Fried
1: Chicken? Uh, Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> Kentucky. I,
2: I don't get that. Reference. That's so I'm just gonna... something
1: one of the first shows. He, instead of saying Max's Kansas City, he said Max's Kentucky City.
2: <laughs> well, you know what's crazy? Um, the, the, the Max's Kansas City, uh, it's now like a deli. Yes. I believe. Yeah, um, a two it is. Deli. Yes. And right across the street was the, the one factory, of the factories where the factory so was So that's yeah. where Andy Warhol. It was the second factory, not the first one. It, it was where the um, where uh, Valerie Solanas shot. Yes. Where, anyways,
1: sixty-eight. Yeah. But um, that's
2: where you know all the superstars would go there all the time, and that's the Velvet Underground. It was a was quick. It was a
1: quick walk around the corner. Yeah, I mean, they were right. Yeah, right you know, in right, right Union Square, right there. And, and, you know, and, go and right the Velvet the
2: Underground was the the houseman for. Um, for Maxis, Kansas City, they were all, they also played, I don't know if you know this, they used to play at a ski resort in Vermont.
1: Yes, they did, and, uh, it, I, and
2: I, think, was, I think
1: Lou hated playing there, I think was, I heard that. This
2: was the Doug Yule.
1: Later on, years, yeah, it yeah. It wasn't
2: John Kill.
1: Right, it was. it was pretty much towards the end. But, uh, so anyway, they did their first album, so 67, I was in 67, that came out. They came out out the
2: same year that Sgt. Pepper came out, too. Yeah, now if you
1: think about the the contrast, okay, June of 67, Sgt. Pepper comes out, same year, Velvet Underground. Can't have two more, two albums that are more opposite, but yet equally influential, right? Okay.
2: And I have a, have a, um, a story that I'd love to tell, because, you know, I was in high school, I lived in Houston, Texas. And I didn't have friends. I was very introverted. And, um, like Lou. Yeah. And I, I wanted to kind of fit in. And the people that you, that at the time, that, that I felt like, oh, be like these guys, were like the stoners and the hippies. And I got into the Velvet Underground. I went to this hippie party. I don't smoke weed. I never have, and I, yeah. I never tried it. And they were playing the movie called The Doors by Oliver Stone.
1: Yeah. The and there's goes. a
2: scene where they go yeah. to, to, the, to, the, to the factory. And yeah. t- actually, do you know who played Andy Warhol in that movie? It was Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. Yeah. And I'm listening to this song called Venus and Furs. Yeah. And I'm like, very intrigued. And I'm like, who is this? And one of these hippies goes, oh, that's Lou Reed. He's very negative. He's from New York. And I went, <laughs> hey, yo, let's go. Huh? Yeah. So the next day, I went and bought the album. Right. And um, my mom, you know, she was never around. So I my the only friend I had was my neighbor. He was like a fourteen year old kid. I was sixteen, and I told him, "Hey man, I bought this album. It's called It's called The Velvet Underground." Um, get you know get your mom's weed. You smoke weed. My mom has tequila. Come over. We're gonna hear this album. We heard the album three times in a row. Right. And when European Sun came on, we yes. both freaked out because we were song. like, "This is this is what we are. This is yeah. something different." I had bought. Beatles records because people told me to, because there was an old reference: "Are you a Beatle or a Rolling Stone?" and and that's what they would tell me. And yeah, we got Sergeant Pepper's, and I was like, "This is hippie shit." Compared to the And I I relate with what these guys are saying. I, I relate with the neighborhoods of New York but City. But
0: that whole Sergeant Pepper was a fucking uh, tribute album to Paul McCartney. apparently
2: but anyways so like I remember I used to have long hair and so like we heard this album and I didn't have a computer at the time so I would go to high school very early to go to the computer lab and I would and I typed in Velvet underground Lou Reed and it had suggestions and one of the suggestions was a guy called Iggy Pop yeah and a band called The Stooges, and I, and then I went and bought their album, and then another yeah. guy called David Bowie, yeah. and then I ended up cutting my hair, and I told my friends, like, you know what? I don't think we're 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 rockers or hippies. I think we're something called punk. And if if, if it wasn't for that moment of of being introduced to the Velvet Underground. But Lou Reed wasn't really punk. Yeah, he, he, he was.
1: Nah, I mean, there was no word for it back yeah, then. He actually, I mean, he, 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 he's definitely, you got to put him in a, as a, as the a pro, pioneer, proto, proto, like a proto punk type. Proto-punk. Uh, One of
2: my favorite quotes from Andy Warhol was right before he passed away. He did a yeah. something downtown, and, and, he, and the quote goes I, I am a product of Warhol University, and I still believe in the power of punk. Right. And to this day, I want to blow it up. And that's one of my favorite quotes. Yeah, and he passed away. I'm
1: right sure, a- right after before. that, yeah. But he
2: was definitely, like, if he wasn't, he wasn't even also a product of punk, he was also a product of glam rock.
1: Yeah, well, um, that would be, you know, the early records of his solo career. Right. Okay. Um, I just want to talk about briefly uh, about the Loaded album. Okay. Um, that was their fourth studio album.
2: Right. And do you know why they called it Loaded?
1: That I don't know, Phil. Tell me.
2: Because Lou Reed said "Because it's going to be loaded with hits.
1: Well, they tried. They it, tried. It, it I mean, you it know, it, "Rock and Roll" is a song that Sweet you can Jane. still hear on the radio. "Sweet Jane," uh, that's about really it as far as singles on the album. But that's an amazing album. It's probably that's their most their most commercial it's sounding most album. Rock it and roll it, album. It should have been a bigger hit. It
0: was their most rock and roll. So, album. will you say that's the um, album of the week? Loaded. Loaded. Low, uh,
1: yeah. You know, if you if you want to talk about the Velvet Underground and albums that you should have...
2: The first one, definitely.
1: White i got to go with second one.
2: White Lightweight Heat. Is the, i got to go... White Lightweight Heat is definitely more the I mean, experimental one.
1: But, but just because of Sister Ray.
2: Right. Sister, yeah. Si- si- yeah. Sister
1: Ray is a 17-minute long yeah.
2: and actually, fucking masterpiece. You know who covered that? Joy Division.
1: Joy Division did. Joy yeah, Division. And they did yeah, they did it long, too. They did it long. I think it was Handsome Dick Manitoba that said, you know, if you, if you ever want to have an album, if you ever want to break your lease in your apartment, just play Sister Ray all day, all day and all night, and your landlord will kick you out. You know. Well, here's
2: the thing: the, what <laughs> I, the one thing I love about the Velvet Underground, every album is different from the last one, and that for me, yeah. that, that's amazing because that's probably one of the first you bands know? that kind of did that. Because you had the first one, right, the Velvet Underground and Nico. And, um, you know, you had the Nico and blah, blah, blah. And then you had White, Light, White Heat. Well, for me, I think was more of a John Kill album. The a, first one is. Well, no, for me, White, Light, White Heat. White, was,
1: White, yeah. I don't know, because I feel like some of the guitar riffs and everything is loop. You know, like some of the heavy guitar. Right, but
2: guitar- like, like um, the, uh, the Gifts. Oh, yeah, the Gifts, yeah. Which yeah. It's an amazing, not only... I guess you can well, say you
1: got the it is a spoken word. The, like, the, way, the, way the way it's it produced ends, is you yeah, know you got to so listen to really, it on headphones. Really you got you, when you listen to it on headphones, you got the vocals in one speaker, right. and the the music in the other speaker. Right. It's a bizarre listening experience.
2: Um, and then, like my per, my actual favorite album, to be quite honest, is their third. I I wanted their, to bring that their, up. Their self uh, the, the self titled third album. album. That when Doug, that's when John Kill left. Doug Ewell mm-hmm. ended up joining the band. For me, that is a beautiful album. It, it, it is. It I mean, it starts off. Candy, we, says. Candy says. Yep. Which is Doug Yule singing. Right. And then the end one, the, the last song with, with Maureen Tucker singing. For me, that is just a beautiful. You know.
1: You know. You know how album. many. You know how many people think Lou sings "Candy Says." A lot of people. I okay. was. I thought. I thought it when I first. Until so,
2: like I got you know. Because their bit.
1: Star, their vocals sound the same, kind of.
2: But it, it, it's, and, it's but it's not. And it. we all know, do. You know who that that song's about.
1: Candy, Candy Darling, Darling, Candy Darling, oh, was which of, you know, and a, a and he and world would, world. And, and Lou would mention uh, him in in uh, Walk on the Wild oh, Side. Her. her, her, sorry. And Walk and here's the, the thing
0: about was she the color girl. No, <laughs> no. Candy <laughs> Darling was one of the three of the
2: superstars. It was Jackie Curtis, Hollywood, and Candy, Candy Darling. Candy came from Miami, FLA. No, the no, Holly. Uh, came Holly from came Miami. from Miami, Candy FLA. not from the Long Island. Island. Yes. Candy well, here's the thing about Candy Darling. She was actually the most beautiful of of those of those trio. You couldn't tell, and um, yeah, she was born Jimmy Slattery. Yes, and um, she actually was going to do an album where she would sing Lou Reed songs. I but heard unfortunately, that. Unfortunately, she, she, she got ill and she passed away. Yeah, but um, no, but Candy says is to me, and, and not only that, Pale Blue Eyes. Yep. Uh, what goes on?
1: Beginning to see the light. Uh,
2: Beginning. Jesus. Jesus. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Beautiful song. Yeah. That that to me, that's probably their most underrated album.
1: It, it, it is it kind of gets lost in the the shuffle of the other three but uh by the time they did loaded you know Lou was kind of getting a little fed up with the band what okay.
2: was you know she was gonna, wanted to have kids yes yeah. you know yeah I mean they, Ma- they became a product of the New York City uh, underground more than I think they wanted to I mean the Maxis, Kansas City. I mean, being a being a house band for Maxis, Kansas City. I don't know. For me, that's an honor. But back in those days, I think I don't they
1: know. wanted a little more than that, and they just they, they knew that they couldn't break through. <coughs> you know, they they changed their sound a little bit for the Loaded to be a little It was more
0: rock and roll. Yeah, a little have, bit
1: more rock and roll. I but
0: know the wanted to start a <coughs> solo career and do his own thing. Well, here's there's the thing: there's a lot of
1: things in play here. Yeah,
2: there's a lot of things in play. Well, here's the thing: one of my favorite stories, the the Michigan connection. With the Velvet Underground, because yeah. um, they did Ann a, Arbor, really? Yeah, because, Ann Arbor. They did, they, they you know, they did a show there with with Warhol. Yeah. And they actually did a show with um, MC Five before they before the Stooges and all that. One of my yeah. favorite stories is uh, MC Five played with the Velvet Underground. There was a
1: imagine that kind of show. There was an Jeez. anarchist
2: group called the Mother East, the East Village Motherfuckers. The East Village Motherfuckers, right? Who actually interrupted. The, the show because the MC5 were also uh, they were actually political. Oh, no, not. the White Panther Party. They were the White Panther Party, yeah. and so the East Village motherfuckers were kind of like that. And so they actually disrupted a show that they did. And one and Lou Reed when the Velvet Iron performed, Lou Reed actually said, "For those involved, I'm really sorry. We don't believe in that shit. We actually think it's fucking stupid." Yeah. And that's what I love yeah. about Lou Reed, because I would have said the same fucking thing.
1: Right. They weren't political. They just
2: wanted music. Yeah, you know? and, it was and, all about the music. And for that, and then you had, you know, the MC5 who they performed with, and all of a sudden, you know, the Stooges. And uh, they the Stooges saw the play in the Plastic Nettable. And that's, you know, that really helped influence them. Absolutely. Um, um, if, you, if you want to go on. Well,
1: what happened after Loaded is they recorded... Uh, the uh, Live at Max's album, which is a fantastic album. If you can get the double CD, get that, because it's got a lot of extra stuff on there. It's really worth
2: getting. And let's not forget VU. Well,
1: VU, right. The VU were really like, uh, the 1969 two two albums were like, they were really like bootlegs. And they came out a few years after the band disbanded. And, uh, but it's great material on that. Um, It's got live shows of them, uh, I think in Texas, and a couple other places Houston and another uh, the one thing I would recommend the most if you really want to capture what the Velvet Underground sounded live very different than the studio albums you know I mean the same structure but a little more free-form like they would they would go into long jams sometimes Um, pick up the Robert Quine set okay Robert Quine was a was a a great uh, New York City uh, guitar player He ended up playing with Lou later on. He was involved with Richard Hell and guys like that. Um, But before he was involved with those bands, going back to 68, 69, he actually was a huge Velvet Underground fan. And he followed them around, recording them on cassette. And this set uh, came out, I I think it was in the early 2000s. Um, And it's basically, they took his master tapes on cassette and put them on CD. The quality is great. And it captured them in all over the country. Like I think it ended up in the Matrix in San Francisco, which was a real hippie spot. Right. Jefferson Airplane was like a house band there. Yeah. And
2: in w- fact, I think Cher even pro- said she hated Yeah,
1: yeah. Like the, the California, the they California hated. hippies. Hated, hated the velvet on the ground. But
2: there was a guy called Jim Morrison who yeah. saw them and said, "You know what? This is this is pretty fucking." Why bad. did they hate it? Uh, because I
1: mean, they they didn't know what different. to make of them. They they, were they weren't, too weren't different. they weren't about peace and
2: love. Yeah. They were talking they about that. shooting dope. Yeah, they <laughs> were know? talking about taking <laughs> you know? the, uh, one to Lexington, one to five to right. Harlem to get right. to score heroin. They were yeah. talking about about trans down in fucking. House Kitchen Union swear. They're talking about. Yeah. New York stuff
1: that in yeah. those days, That's you know, what,
2: you got to remember people.
0: People didn't
1: travel. So they
0: stand to their name. They'll the ground yeah. from a yep. book. Yeah, right. But they, <laughs> right, right, right. They, were, they were definitely at that time.
2: You know, nineteen sixty-seven to 1990 every, You know, rock and roll was about. You know, it was more blues inspired and more about and, peace and, and of love and, and happy stuff. And then you had Lou <laughs> Reed. Yeah, you had this guy Lou Reed, and you had yeah. this guy named John Cale.
0: I'm just gonna fucking shoot myself who up just, and get some yeah, good shit. Who just did not
2: give a shit nah. about what was going on in the West Coast. Get, I mean, they were the true for me for that time. They were the true. Like back, fuck Bob Dylan. Back in the because day, Bob Dylan was folky. Ba- ba- all that back,
1: back in those days, the rest of the country, and I think it's still true to some extent now. Okay, but not as much. But back in the day, I think that the rest of the country hated New Yorkers. Yeah. Okay. So here you had this hardcore New York band, uh in you know, especially Lou, okay, the way he talked, the way he just did everything. You know, they just that turned people off right. right away. And then just now he's talking about, you know, scoring scoring dope on Lexington one two five, you know, it's like wow. you know they didn't know what to make of that. But PR what, shoes Yeah, PR shoes and a big straw, big straw hat. I mean, how many you know and who was who was really paying attention at that point with that David Bowie? Yeah, David okay. Bowie. David Bowie would do a cover of "Waiting for My Man." And the, okay, and, and "Venus and Furs." Venus and Furs. In
2: fact, he he would do a, he would do "Venus and Furs" when, when when David Bowie first was coming out with rec, doing his thing, he did a cover of "Venus and Birds," dressed as a, a, a toy soldier.
1: I yes, I heard that. Yeah, so, with yeah. a whip. With a whip. Um,
0: right. So, how did um, because I think David Bowie winded up producing his second well, album, or yeah, yes. um,
1: he that's the Transformer album. Yeah, now I'll get to that in a second because I want to talk about the first album. All okay. right, so Lou
2: Reed actually, like, the Velvet Underground disbanded. Lou Reed actually put, came out with his own album, yeah, which I think is extremely well. What, underrated. what, what, what
1: you got to mention though is he left the Velvet Underground. Took some time off. He actually went back to Long Island. In fact, joined up with his father's business and became a typist. Yeah, for he, a he year. typist,
2: and he, his mom told him you should be a typist yeah. have something to fall back on. Right, right. <laughs> so
1: he did that for like a year. He was making like two fifty an hour or something like that. Okay, and RCA calls him up, connects with him again, and says, "Can you put out an album?" But he didn't have a band, so they said, "Well." We can connect you with some guys from England, from London, if you want to go over there and do it. Turned out these guys, was Steve Howe and Rick Wakeman, who were in Yes. Wow. Okay, so they were going to play with I'm him sorry. on this. And um, that was the first solo album, just called Lou Reed. Lou Reed. And it kind of, you know, out of all of his albums, it kind of gets... Lost. It's a good album. It's got a bunch of Velvet, Velvet Under-
2: Underground l- songs. Right, Velvet yeah.
1: Underground leftovers, stuff that were like never really recorded. They were still in the can at that point, and he redid. But I mean, th- there's a song on there. You know, Wild Child. Yeah. That's. The, I love that song. You know, the lyrics on that is just amazing.
2: Well, the whole Transformer thing. Getting to to that. Yeah. You know, he had that solo album that
1: you know. It di- it didn't really. You know, he played around England. Uh, Oh, one thing to mention though with that album is, uh, I think it was around the same time, like '72, that the New York Dolls went over to England, and they were. This is when they were, had the original drummer, Billy Mercia. and they Billy were Billy supp- Doll, Billy Doll, Billy Mercia, Yeah, they were supposed to uh, open for Lou Reed one night, but Lou hated the New York Dolls. Don't know why. Never had a real cl- clear reason. as to why. I, I
2: hear a different story about that. But I he kicked that,
1: them off the bill.
2: I, I hear <laughs> I, I a different story about that. I hear that Lou Reed loved the New York Dolls. No, he no. wanted he wanted them to open up for him. Like that. no. I, that's the story I heard.
1: No, no. What? The, the, and I, you know, I, I heard this from you know Rick Rivets and a, a couple other people over the years. Is that when they went over there, they were, they didn't know what their whole itinerary was going to be. And one day they're told by their management, guess what, you're opening for Lou Reed tonight. They were like, great. They show up at the show to play, but then Lou Reed kicks them off the bill when they're already there before they perform. And he didn't want any part of them. And then,
2: the, you know, Lou Reed really was, did not like a lot of, of these bands. It's a
1: difficult guy to get along with. Right. And like, he was. Get, like, like, for example. <laughs> he was a dick.
2: He was a dick. He was a dick, yeah, Until yeah okay. Until so his last okay. years. But, like, here's the yeah. thing. He, like, for example, one of my favorite stories. You have he, to admit it. <laughs> he fucking hated what was going on in England with, with the glam scene. Like, because, you know, with, he produced Transformer and he became big. He hated Motley. He hated Ian Hunter. Did,
1: did he hate the Sweet Ian Jane Hunter. version? Probably, he hated right? Him. Yeah. He yeah.
2: hated Ian Hunter. They actually would argue he hated Roxy Music. And, like, for him, it's like. You, and, they,
1: and they worshipped him. Yeah. They, they worshipped loved him.
2: him. And he yeah. hated them.
1: And maybe it was a jealousy thing, or maybe it was I, just... It,
2: it had to be an a ego-jealousy kind of thing. A little but like, bit. With Transformer, and here's another thing. I mean, that was produced by David Bowie. Yeah. And um, it was not only that... Well, who
0: was the guy, the arranger?
2: Uh, oh, Mick
1: Ronson, Mick Ronson. Uh, Bowie's guitarist. He what, Bowie's guitarist. What did the, all the arrangements, yeah, one of piano, my favorite and all that stuff.
2: My favorite story about, about that, the making of the album... Mick Ronson was like, Well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, he's, he kind of said, I'm gonna teach you to play guitar. And Lou Reed looked Lou was like, like, Are you crazy? Fuck you. Like, I've been playing guitar he, like a
1: decade before yeah, you. Yeah, and
2: uh, he, yep. he, he, my, he said that, that Lou Reed never had his guitar tuned.
1: That was on purpose.
2: And so when he would tune the guitar, Lou Reed would look, look, look at Mick Ronson, like, What the fuck are you doing?
1: Yeah, don't yeah. touch my guitar. And yeah. um,
2: <laughs> so David, David Bowie uh, pr- uh, convinced not only Lou Reed, but Iggy Pop to move to England and, and let's let's make something. we got to do something because yeah. those were his heroes. You know? Definitely. And um, it, it, I know I'm going off topic here, but Raw Power, um, that was actually, believe it or not, a T-Rex-influenced record. Yes, it was. Because Iggy Pop saw T-Rex live a lot. He loved T-Rex. Yeah. You know? But I think but David Bowie was more, he had his mindset more on, on Lou Reed of producing an album, you know, and, yeah. and this is where Transformer comes
1: in. And, and, and this was the album that broke it open for Lou, okay, it came out in 1972, and uh, the first single off it was Walk on the Wild Side, it hit number 16 in Billboard Shards, a single, and uh, the album got to, uh, where did it get to, uh, I think it got to like in the high 20s, something do you know like the, that, do you, know, yeah. do you know the
2: history of that song? Well, well,
1: sure, he's talking about all the... No,
2: but the original... So, like, apparently, what Lou Reed, from what I heard, from, from Lou, yeah. not personally, but from, yeah. it was supposed to be a, a, about, I think, A Tale in Two Cities. It was supposed to be a play, like, like a musical, and, you he, know, and he wrote the song. I
1: remember reading that in the and Transformer book. It never uh, happened. Yeah, it never happened. It never yeah, happened. that's right, that's right. And so right. he
2: decided to use the Warhol superstars right. instead. So it right. was actually supposed to be... And I believe it was a, a Tale in Two Cities that he wrote the song. In that, in that, that theme. Right. It, that was the theme. And, um, and it was supposed to be a, a musical and it, and it never happened. So then he did, you know, walk on the wall. Now, I,
1: I just want to, you know, you mentioned about how, you know, you discovered the Velvet Underground. I mean, I was kind of similar as you, but maybe like 10 years earlier. Okay. I used to, as a kid, I would, I would take my library card and I would go to the library and I would get albums out. I didn't always get books. I got albums out. And I remember in my neighborhood, for some reason, they had a bunch of Lou Reed albums and a bunch of Velvet Underground albums, and I was just (coughs) constantly borrowing them from the library. And there was this one collection that came out in the late 70s called Rock and Roll Diary. It's a double album set. It had some Velvet stuff, but it was mostly Lou's Lou's material up until that point. And I can remember listening to this album and just being blown away. I'm like 13 years old, 14 years old. And I'm like, this is where it's at. This is the shit, okay? And, but, the it, it, Velvet Underground and, and, and Lou are like the, the kind of people that, when you start listening to them, it leads you to other things. It leads you to Bowie, it leads right. you to the Stooges, it leads you into the punk scene, right. okay? And, you know, and, and let me just give you an example, like, like about, as far as like a punk attitude. Lou does Transformer. it's his biggest commercial hit. Uh, at that point, okay, now, where do you, how do you follow that up, okay, you figure most people would kind of do Transformer 2, or, you know, something like that to keep it going, okay, Not Lou, Lou records, he meets up with producer Bob Ezrin, and, uh, who was just starting out at that point, he was getting involved with, uh, he would be involved with Kiss and Alice Cooper, especially the early Alice Cooper albums, um, and he wanted to produce Lou. Now, Lou had this idea after Transformer, and this, this idea became the album Berlin. And it was a total commercial flop.
2: And okay? here's an interesting thing about that album Berlin. Yeah. That's, at, at the time that he was doing Berlin, uh, Iggy Pop and David Bowie moved to Berlin yes. to produce their albums. Right. And here's Lou Reed not only recording an album called Berlin, but writing a song called Berlin, which I love, Yeah. without even being there. Time. So it, it's weird how the three kind of connected. Still. There's this
1: like interconnecting thing which is, between the three. This which race. is
2: fascinating to me because Iggy Pop and David Bowie moved to and they record, you know, Heroes, Heroes Loaded, and Lo- and, um, <coughs> uh, lust for Life. For lust for and and life. then here's yep. Lou Reed yep.
0: recording what an album the name of Berlin. that movie? They it's pretty much talks about
1: Velva one, Yeah. one, yeah. They they that's a great about movie. About that's a
0: great movie. Iggy popping. Yeah. 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 I mean they, they don't they don't use other. the they don't yeah. use the real names. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's and a lot mean, of there's they a they lot mean, of that, you know. Yeah. They're banging Kurt, Kurt yeah. Wilde. His name was Kurt Wilde.
2: And then there was The Bowie guy, I forget his name. Jack Ferry
1: he's supposed to be like a Ryan Ferry. I always thought he was supposed to be like a Wayne County.
2: Something like Maybe. that. Maybe. I'm I mean, not sure. There, there was also the T-Rex involvement in that. Right, and the right. Lou Reed involvement that's a, that's in that. That's a very good movie. I like that movie. It's a great, great movie. Uh, I think the name of the guy was um, Brian Slade. Yes, Brian, Brian Slade was Slade. the Bowie character. And his, and his band was they, called they basically, The Venus in First. Right, The Venus And here's approach. an interesting not to get off topic. So they wanted to put David Bowie's songs in the album. Yeah. And David Bowie was like, no, I'm going to make my own movie about the glam scene. Never did. never did. So Velvet Goldmine is actually a song by by, uh, Bowie. B- by David Bowie yeah. and they put Satellite of Love in in, this, in, in the soundtrack but, but, but what people don't know is David Bowie sings backup
1: on Satellite of Love.
2: Satellite of Love. So technically He's, David Bowie is in <laughs> in, in that Velvet movie, Goldmine. In, in that movie and like, that's, a beautiful that's,
1: song that's, that's off of uh, Transformer, Transformer
2: but it's and, a beautiful song yeah and Bowie's in the background Bowie's going bum 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 Yeah, bum. And he, so, and he's, you know, he's the one the, singing yeah.
1: everything in the back um, but what I was saying is you know he, he, he would do his own thing Lou he, he didn't give a shit about commercial, commercial <coughs> or anything like that he made Transformer was a big hit then he makes Berlin which is I always said if you're gonna kill yourself and listen to an album it's such a beautiful that's the album. album to listen to it's such to. a great it, 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 Berlin it, for it's me just, that
2: song is beautiful
1: Caroline says
2: I mean that's just yeah
1: (coughs) it is it is and it 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 was it was very it was not received well at the time but years later uh, it took about 35 years but years later it got uh, before he died he he was doing songs from it again and uh, they had done like that that concert movie did you ever see that it was shot at the St. Ann's warehouse in uh, in Brooklyn all about the Berlin... You know, it's the whole well, well, album from beginning let's talk to end. about
2: Berlin. He did Berlin, and then he did an album called Metal Machine Music. <laughs> Metal Machine Music was probably yeah. the most hated yeah. fucking album. Well, it's all but feedback. Years, it's not a song. But years just, later, it, it, became, just all it became the most influential, experimental album ever. And I remember they would do, here in New York City, once a year. They, there was a band. I don't know if they were from Japan or if they were local... They would do Metal Machine Music, and Lou Reed would perform with them. That's, that's and, and amazing. And they would perform the entire album, and it was always once a year. And I never had the opportunity to go see that. Yeah. And they always played a, a, uptown, but they would always play once a year Metal Machine Music. You know and that he was, was the most random thing for Lou Reed to fucking do.
1: Well, it was the last album of his RCA contract, okay? And he wasn't happy with RCA. He wanted to leave them. So... He had recorded the Rock and Roll Animal album, which was a live album. It's a live album, which is which a great, is great. You got great Dick, album. Dick Wagner and Steve Hunter, great guitarists playing with them. The is great because yeah. he was
2: still in that glam scene, the right. glam rock look. He, you know.
1: but he, but he took glam to a different level. Right. He took it to almost like he looked like a. I mean, he was a speed freak at that point. This is what he was doing. He wasn't shooting dope. He was shooting speed. I mean, he was like fifty-five pounds on that album cover. You know, he's skinny he, as hell. He,
2: he looked amazing. I, yeah, mean, I mean, if you look the at blonde, that, The short blonde hair. Yeah, the short hair. blonde hair. But, like, yeah. that, that, the Mick Rock cover of Transformer, just that, that alone. I remember being a kid, and, you know, my dad's a rocker. You know, like, my dad's yeah. a rock and roll guy, and, and my dad had Transformer. And I remember just looking at, like, who is this guy? Like, he looked like what's, a vampire with a guitar.
1: What's your opinion on the New York album? Now, I played for you earlier. I played Dirty Boulevard. Yeah. You remember that song, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Did you ever hear that album entirely? Yeah. What, what's your opinion of that? I, I
2: think it's good. I, I think it's uh, it's it's definitely Lou Reed. T- yeah. I mean,
1: that came out in '89. I'm going to be way. honest
2: with you. If Lou Reed would, if, 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 unfortunately, you know, we lost him. Yeah. And uh, I think if Lou Reed was to write another uh, 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 backup to that, it would definitely be about justification and all that stuff.
1: Well, he and, was touching on those themes. Because it that, was in that album. At that point. He was. Yeah, he was. He was. Dirty Boulevard talks about the the rent being so high right. in places and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, but when he came out with that album, it was it was really back to the roots, back to like a concept kind right. of album. And uh, he used to perform it from beginning to end on that tour, from you know, to exact Romeo had Juliet to See, the that's end. That's what I love about and Lou Reed too, because yeah. he would
2: actually perform song, well, he would do albums from beginning to end, and nobody would expect that. And that, no. to me, that's beautiful. But
1: he he had said i'm doing it like that on this tour because that is how you have to listen to this album can't just do a track here track there you got to listen to the whole thing in one shot and and you know some people would be turned off by that because they want to hear you know sweet jane you know which which he would do at the end as an encore or something but but he would do the you know the 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 album from beginning to end um let me ask you something what's your favorite I know you're a big Velvet Underground I'm, I'm fan. A,
2: I'm a bigger Velvet but Underground fan than, than, Lou, than Lou Reed. But
1: but, but I'm gonna I, I'm gonna ask you, what's your favorite Lou Solo, album and why?
2: Uh, I don't want to sound like a stereotype here. Honestly, I don't. Um, I like his first solo album, actually. Really? To be quite honest. But um, I got into that because um, I saw you know when I was in you know, high school, you don't have friends, you know, so like you look up. Blue Reed typed them in a, in a computer. His, his first one was good because it's Velvet Underground. Yeah. Just like when Joy Division became New Order, it was all Joy Division songs. You know? Right, right. But um, for me, man, Transformer and Berlin. Uh, the Raven, you know, like you know, Raven. I remember Raven, when Raven came yeah. out.
1: Yeah, that was an interesting. That was album.
2: great, you know, and and he was an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah he was. They,
1: were... Yeah, yeah, he was. That was just he wanted to do some Edgar Allan Poe yeah, theme like, thing.
2: Like I remember you telling me about like for me what the lyrics of Lou Reed mean, means to me. Yeah. For me, they don't make sense, and that's what I love about them. And 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 the perfect song for me is Andy's Chest.
1: Okay, off of a Transformer. Yeah, yeah, so
0: Andy's chest... Guys, obviously. I hate to do this to you, but we got to wrap it up soon. Okay, okay. Um, okay. i got about six minutes left.
2: Well, let's talk about the, the story of our, our Lou Reed.
1: Story. Okay, yeah, let's well, make tell that. We'll end off with that. Uh, Lou Reed died in 2013, and um, I happened to be working, not a couple months after that, down on Bayard Street in Chinatown. And... You know, I'm in this building and I, I work for Verizon, I'm fixing the phone lines. I come out, I'm i I'm in the lobby for a second and I just kinda turn around and I capture in my eye I just see like somebody scrolled on the wall Lou Reed. Now I'm in Chinatown. That's like Yeah. You know, why would I why would anybody do that? You know, I right? and I always remembered it. And uh one day I'm I'm in the international bar. I know Fayo for a while. I know he's a big Lou Reed fan. I didn't know you lived on Bayard Street, okay, but you tell me, yeah, I'm on Bayard Street, and, and I said, well, there's this building on Bayard Street, and somebody scrolled Lou Reed on the, on the wall by the mailbox, and he goes, that was me, you know, yeah. and, and me and wow. you, you bonded after that, yeah. you know what I mean? It was like, all right, cool, man, you know, fellow fellow brother here, yeah, you know? Yeah,
2: I wrote, I wrote that after the day Lou Reed died, and the yeah. day Lou Reed died, I got this. Yeah, the Lou Reed tat. I got my Lou Reed tattoo, yeah. but... I, that was for me like like what are the odds that, yeah, that's that we a, would meet That's a New York story. It can yeah, only it can, only, ha- it can only happen. Because like yeah, it, it was All like right. <coughs> that was that for me like I was like you noticed that <laughs> you know yeah, <laughs> And yeah. for me that was a big deal because we lost for me one yeah. of the greatest New York. He was New York City man, just like he United
1: he City. said he said that he had New York City in his DNA. Yeah,
2: and and, and, he, and, I, and I
1: just you know. I'll, we'll, we'll end the show, and I just want to say that he did. He did. He, he, had D, he had the New York City DNA in his blood, and Man. I missed the guy. He was, he was a great songwriter. Yeah, I, I, and I, I, I he's never a big saw him loss. live,
2: but I'm very glad that I was. I did get
1: to see him, so it's. it's I'm very glad that
2: I was introduced to his music, yeah. and, and the Velvet Underground is my favorite band. I'm, I'm very happy, and uh, Mike, I'm very happy that you had me do this Love. show. Thank I'm Sorry you. that I was late.
0: No, <laughs> but it's okay. Like, you know, but, it's
2: okay. But no, thank you, Rob Rossi. I mean, this, you know, Lou Reed for yeah. me is a big deal. You know?
0: Okay. And, uh, All right, guys. So, Mike, um, what's uh, what? Any up up and coming shows? Anything uh, going on? You
1: know, not much this week. Uh, it's kind of a quiet week. I don't have anything planned. Uh, I'm taking it slow. I've been getting a little too lumped up lately. <laughs> uh, May
2: May May fifth. Uh, another New York hardcore matinee. Is
1: that May 5th? Yeah. Yeah,
0: at, over and, at uh, and A7 and I, again. Yeah, oh, 7 and, and I got made, uh, May 15, I got the Tommy London show at um, okay. Arlene's Grocery. Okay. I got some tickets. I got giveaways for those tickets, whoever won. I got four tickets, so I want to see who's going to go. Definitely, John Freak's going. Let me know. I'll go. And, I'll go with I, you. And uh,
2: just to let you guys know, um, I'm doing another poetry reading soon, uh, solo okay. poetry reading. I got a different... Uh, uh, violinist, cellist, uh, who's going to perform with me? I'll Where's that, you... Fail? It's going to be at Otto's. Okay. So I'll let you guys know. Um, developing more, trying to get, yeah. you know, get back, you know, become a poet. All right. Album
1: of the week. Album of the week.
2: Well, I'm going to call it,
1: and I'm going to say. First Velvet Underground album. The
2: first Velvet Underground album. Okay, yeah, that's definitely the Buy one. it,
1: own it, listen buy to it, it. it. Listen to it religiously. Buy the
2: box set of the Velvet Underground Buy the
1: box set, right? Really buy good. the vinyl, yeah. whatever. It's all fantastic. It, it, it's just great. From
0: and, beginning to end. And I think the the, the second, and I, I got to go, you're going with Velvet Underground. I'm to go more with the Lou Reed. And yeah. I think his second album was Trance, one of the best albums. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. It's it a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. It's a
2: masterpiece. David Bowie, thank you for doing that for him. I hope you guys are in rock and roll heaven together. Yeah, I really do.
0: And don't uh, forget. Oh, wait up! How can we how can we reach you? Emails? Okay. on Twitter page? Yeah,
1: um, Rock a Mike on Facebook. Uh, rock Mike three on Twitter. Rock Mike two one two on Instagram.
2: I'm uh, feonyc at gmail dot com. I'm feonyc on Instagram and Jeff fao Iescas on. Um, Facebook, but if you want to reach me for, you know, more Lou Reed stories or poetry, feyonyc at gmail.com.
0: Alright guys, thank you for a great show. Rock a mic. Yeah. What do we say once the show's over? Don't get drunk. Get pumped up. up. Have a good week, guys.